Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what is going on? This is Jeff Hartman. That's right. Jeff Hartman back here with BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. It's been a couple months. I want to get started on this Monday morning show, which we have titled Let's Ride. And as you heard at the beginning of the episode, that was the famous 2005 Indianapolis Colts divisional round. Joey Porter, right after Bill Cowher, says, hey, Peasy. Why don't you be quiet this week as they get ready for the Denver Broncos in the AFC Championship game? And he said, oh, man, heck no. They shot me in Denver. Who ride? We ride. Who ride? ride? Let's ride on three. One, two, three. Let's ride. That's where that came from. That was that sound clip, and that's where this name of the show started. But, man, what a long and strange journey this life can be at times. For me personally, I leave behind the steel curtain two months ago and take another venture I'm not going to badmouth that venture in any way, shape, or form. What happened there is personal, and it's going to remain personal. But here I am back at Behind the Steel Curtain. Two months later, I cannot thank Dave Schofield and Brian Anthony Davis enough for them having me back. And not just having me back, welcoming me back. And welcoming me back in a way that they were so excited. And they said, we want you to be a part of the podcast team again. They didn't have to do that. They did not have to do that, but they did. And I love this. I love this. I, I love just being able to talk about the Steelers. Fan to fan. That, that's what we are. We're fans. Let's talk about the team. And that's what I love. And I do want to give a shout out to someone else before we get started, really. I want to give a shout out to Lance Williams. And Lance Williams is a friend of mine. And we have gone way back. The standard is the standard. I, I, I've told the story multiple times. I'll tell it again. I had never even spoken to Lance Williams before we went on the air for the very first time. I want to say that was in 2014, maybe somewhere around there. And Neil Coolong was the editor of behind the steel curtain. And he just set it up and we did it and we ran with it and we did it for a long time. And we expanded on the shows to the post game show started the YouTube channel. Well, it was, it was, I was sad to hear that he left as I came back and he left for his own reasons. And it's just a shame, but I wanted to thank Lance. Because honestly, he gave me a lot of confidence as a podcaster. He gave me a lot of confidence to be myself while podcasting. I remember when we first started, it was always, I was like a robot, he said. He's it's okay to laugh. It's okay to have fun. It's okay to be exuberant at times. I'm not sure if he used that word, but still, you get the picture. So big shout out to him. I'm just glad to be back. I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to be starting this new show. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Every morning, I'm going to publish this thing at like 5 a.m. And it's going to be just me. Now, every now and then, I might have a guest. I might have someone on. We might talk about the Steelers and maybe X's and O's. And maybe we'll talk about, you know, difference of opinions. Or maybe we'll get, I don't know, maybe a player on. I don't know. I don't know. But I know that every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, it's just going to be me. And let's ride this show. Let's ride. Let's. Let, if you're on your way to work, let's ride to work. You know what I mean? That's what we're going to be doing. And I hope you're excited for it. It's only going to be found on audio platforms. I beg you, please follow us on all of our audio platforms or wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, you name it. Go there, follow us, subscribe. If you're on iTunes, give us a good comment, five-star rating. We appreciate it. It really does help with exposure, and we really are 
thankful for all that. The show is going to be about 25 to 30 minutes every single Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I, I, I'm excited for it. I really am excited. I'm excited about life. I got to be honest. I'm excited about life. And let's segue into the first topic, the very first show, the first, very first topic on Let's Ride. And that is, folks, the wait is almost over. That's right. Just like as Tom Petty and the Heartbreaker said, the waiting is the hardest part. And man, if fans had to wait a long time before football, it's been such a unique offseason in every possible way. Whether you're talking about coronavirus, COVID-19, the, the, the people that are still, you know, very skeptical and right, rightfully so. I get it. I see what's going on in Major League Baseball. I, I see it. I understand that that's a potential for happening in the NFL. I'll talk about that on another show more in depth. But then you have how that took a grip on our world. And that includes the sports world. And it had this chokehold on it to the point where all these things that fans love to to watch and keep track of. And as someone that runs a website and, and helps you now a co-editor with Dave Schofield at the website, no organized team activities or OTAs, no rookie minicamp, no mandatory minicamp. All those things that got us through those doldrums of late spring and early summer, they did not exist. Now, did they technically exist? Yes, virtually. And I just did the air quotes. Yeah, they virtually existed. We didn't see any of that. We the fans might have gotten to see the rookie class, Cam Hayward, Mike Tomlin, of uh, Kevin Colbert, possibly on Zoom interviews. But that was it. That was it. Just those little crumbs. You know, th- there was no video from reporters of a really incredible sideline catch. And now, all of a sudden, there's not going to be any training camp at Latrobe. It's going to be different. It's going to be different. And for this year, we're going to fly by the seat of our pants, and we're going to hope that we can get things situated. And I hope the NFL can get their stuff situated. And I, when I say stuff, I mean safety protocols and making sure that the season happens. But the wait is almost over. It's almost over, folks. Goodness, I'm excited. I was, I gotta be honest, I was watching the NHL playoffs the other night. Pittsburgh Penguins, Montreal Canadiens, game one of the qualifying round. I don't want to talk about that game. Trust me, I don't want to talk about that game. But my goodness, I saw NBC. They ran a commercial for the first regular season game. Texans achieved Super Bowl champions Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, and I was ecstatic. I got excited. It felt normal again for the first time in a long time, and I was just so pumped up. But the wait's almost over. It's almost over. You know, here we are on the 3rd of August, and all of a sudden, just two weeks away is when the first padded practice will happen for the Steelers. And so we're going to break this down in two segments obviously, offense and defense. Offense and defense. And so the wait's almost over. And you cannot start without starting with the offense. And you cannot start without starting about Ben Roethlisberger. He's back, folks. He's back. He is back. And is he better than ever? No one knows. We saw him throw one pass in California in February. It's February 21st. Why do I know that? Because my birthday's on the 20th. And it was the day after my birthday. And I'm sitting in a drive-thru waiting to get my coffee. And I look at my phone on Twitter. And holy cow, he threw a pass. And the sports world, maybe just the Steelers world, we'll say both, freaked out. It was the first time. Then all of a sudden, it was the haircut, the beard trim. We saw him throw again, all on video. And then most recently, the Robert Morris video. He's throwing again. 
but no one has actually seen him. There have not been reporters that are on the sideline, whether it's Mark Cavalli, Dale Lally, uh, Bob Labriola, Ed Bouchette, doesn't matter who, there's no one actually there reporting saying, man, this guy's arm looks alive. He is slinging it around the yard. He looks ready. We haven't had that yet, but we're going to get it. We're going to get it sooner than later. Ben Roethlisberger being back is going to be absolutely critical for this team for so many different reasons. And I've honestly said that it's his above the shoulders play that is going to be the biggest difference. And it's going to be the biggest, biggest difference between what we saw with Mason Rudolph and Devlin Hodges in 2019. Yeah, they were bad. They were inexperienced, but they also couldn't get themselves out of their own way at times. Roethlisberger has played enough. He's a smart enough quarterback that he's able to check them out of plays that he knows are not going to be successful because he knows how to read a defense. Mason Rudolph was essentially a rookie. Devlin Hodges was an undrafted rookie. I don't know. Maybe our expectations were a little lofty, but at the same time, when Roethlisberger comes back, that should all smooth itself out. But then there's other parts of the offense too, that we need to kind of figure out. We need to take it. It's a wait and see approach. Is the offensive line going to be better? Is the offensive line moving Matt Filer to guard? Now, I know that's just what they say is going to start camp, but is moving Matt Filer to guard the best decision? And is Zach Banner, Chooks Okorafor ready for the right tackle spot? How is that going to look? What about Stefan Wisniewski? Where's he going to play? Is he just going to be a backup to center and guard on the interior offensive line? Are they saying that protecting the interior with Matt Filer being their highest graded offensive lineman per pro football focus last year, moving him to the interior, are they saying that protecting the interior is, is more important than tackle? I don't know. I don't know, but I do know that last season, the offensive line was missing something. And people will say, well, look at what Jeff just said about Roethlisberger. He wasn't able to check in and out of things. It was more than that. It, they were missing a lot. There was no push and run support. They did not run the ball well. That's well documented. Pass protection was okay. But my gosh, they have to be better. The Steelers are going to be successful offensively. And when I say su successful, think about the fact that last year they averaged just 18 points a game. And they never once hit the 30 point plateau. Not once. I think 28 points was as close as they came. Think about that. If they just want to be competent, it's going to start with the offensive line. And that's what generates everything. You have to protect Roethlisberger. You have to be able to open up lanes for the running backs and the running backs. What do we make of the running back situation? James Connors back. We all know if I could say right now, think of say one word to describe James Conner, and there's probably going to be two words. One will be like courageous as a cancer survivor and someone that's definitely defeated the odds. The other one would be injured because he's often injured. That's fact. That is just factual. James Conner in his first three seasons has yet to play in a full season without injury. It's not abnormal for running backs to get banged up. James Conner just seems to get banged up a little bit more than most. Had a Pro Bowl year a couple years ago. Can he repeat that? Boy, they need him to. Everyone's talking about running back by committee. They're talking about Anthony McFarlane, the rookie. They're talking about Jalen Samuels. They're talking about all these running backs that they have. But the fact of the matter is, Benny Snell Jr. forgot him. Benny Snell, can't forget him. The fact of the matter is, Mike Tomlin doesn't like running back by committee. Period. I think the last time he did that was when Jonathan Dwyer was on the team, which was like 2000 and 
2013, 2012. He does not like it. He likes one guy that's going to go out there, can be a three down back. And then when he needs a break, we're going to put someone else in. That's what will have to change. And I mean, Tomlin and I mean, Randy Feetner for the Steelers to even entertain the thought of having a running back by committee. I like James Conner. He's my son's favorite player, by the way, has his Jersey, loves him, loves everything about James Conner. I love to watch him play, but my goodness, if he can't stay healthy, they're really going to test that, that group. In my opinion, when I say someone says, Jeff, describe what the Steelers running backs are like, I'm going to say it's quantity over quality. They have a lot of them. I didn't even name Kareth white, but I'm not sure if they have a lot of quality backs. The one that they do have, James Conner, is not as reliable as you'd like. Speaking of reliable, the tight end position. What to make of that? You have Vance McDonald, who everyone remembers the big plays. Whether it's the stiff arm heard around the world against Tampa Bay in a Monday Night Football, or whether it's the just catching the ball and running with reckless abandon. I think someone's compared him to Mike Ditka when he was playing, and I've looked at film, and it's pretty close. But Vance McDonald is another player like James Conner that is, he's often injured. He's often banged up. They signed Eric Ebron. I loved it. I loved the pickup. I thought it was a great fit. I thought he's going to be perfect for Ben Roethlisberger. He's at athletic, not necessarily a blocker. I don't think anyone that's watched Eric Ebron play since he came out of North Carolina would say that he's a blocker. He is an athletic pass catcher. And at his best, when he made the Pro Bowl in Indianapolis, he was a red zone monster. That's where he made his money, was in the red zone. Can he duplicate that? But let's not forget the same caveat that I just talked about with Connor and McDonald also bleeds down to Ebron, and that is injuries. You can't make the tub. I'm sorry. You can't make the team from the tub. Your accountability is your best ability. All those sayings and slogans I've heard from my coaches. I can't believe I butchered that one, but um, all those sayings and slogans that you hear all the time, they're true. They're true. So Ebron's going to have to stay healthy. After Ebron, Gentry, second year tight end, didn't really play at all last year. My gosh, that's a, that's a position that makes you really sweat couple injuries to two players that are kind of injury prone. Yeesh. I don't know. The wait, we'll wait and see. The wait's almost over. But if those two, I'll tell you this. If you're an optimist like I am, and anyone that's listened to my previous podcast, whether it's the homer and the hater, the standard is a standard, I am an optimistic guy. I always like to see the the good in situations, the 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 potential in situations, even though that's a very dangerous word. If these two tight ends, and I mean Vance McDonald and Eric Ebron, can stay healthy, the red zone, the Steelers' red zone offense can be absolutely dynamic, absolutely dominant, and absolutely elite. That's right. I said it. The E word. I'm not talking about Joe Flacco. Elite red zone offense. Think about what you can do with Ebron McDonald if they run two tight ends. Let's say they just have a, they don't even have a running back on the field. It's an empty set. You have the two tight ends and some of these receivers I'm getting ready to talk about. Holy cow, folks. I'm telling you, this offense could be a juggernaut. And it's, but those receivers, you're talking about receivers that are very different 
but they have some similar characteristics. So you look at Chase Claypool as we switch to the wide receiver position. Chase Claypool, the team's top pick in the 2020 NFL draft out of Notre Dame, second round pick. He is a big, big body, big body, 6'4", runs like a gazelle. He's, people looked at him, what they say? Gosh, a red zone target. Ben's going to love him in the red zone. Absolutely, he's going to love him in the red zone. He's that guy that Roethlisberger has been seemingly clamoring for since Plaxico Burst left back in 2005. I mean, he's that guy that you're thinking about when Ben's always said, I just want someone that's big and tall. Yeah, they tried Lima Swede. We all know that story. And they had some other taller receivers in there, but none like what Claypool brings. He is a monster. But will he be ready? Will any of the rookies be able to contribute? They haven't had any on-field work with anyone. They haven't been able to go through plays physically, just mentally, virtually. They haven't had probably more than virtual meetings with Roethlisberger. it's, It's as simple as, If they're on the field, let's say the red zone, because that's been the ongoing trend that I've been talking about here. If they're in the red zone and Ben looks over and sees a certain coverage, he has to know the Claypool seeing the same thing. They haven't had a chance to work on that yet. But let's be honest, neither has Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson, in my opinion, is one of the brightest young stars in the NFL. I'm talking about this player, this guy, has Antonio Brown-like skill sets on the field. And I say that again, on the field. Uh, One more time, on the field. I don't know if he's going to be a head case off the field, but at this time, Deontay Johnson, my goodness, is electrifying with the ball in his hands. But again, last year, he had all training camp and six quarters with Roethlisberger, and that's it. Let's not forget that last year, Deontay Johnson was hampered, I believe, by a hamstring throughout the beginning of camp, and so there was even less reps he had with, with Roethlisberger. It's going to take some time. Now you have other receivers, Ryan Switzer. Everyone likes to pile on Switzer and say that he's he's a joke, that he's not going to make the team. James Washington is another player. And it's it's just ironic that yesterday he was placed on the COVID-19 reserve list, but he should be back as long as he is healthy and everything goes well. We prayers for him and hope that he heals and he his body's able to respond. But still. James Washington, although he's had years with Roethlisberger, never seems to have a good connection with him. I always think back to the play in Denver when Washington's beautiful double move beat the defender, and it was a it was a it wasn't a horribly thrown ball, maybe a little bit over the wrong shoulder, but still, man, it's just he jumped and he didn't have to, and he fell. It was. That's kind of that one play to me kind of encompasses this awkward relationship between the receiver and the quarterback. Juju Smith-Schuster, we know what he can do. He's the veteran on the team. It's hard to believe he's still a young guy, but he's the veteran on the team. And so now you're like, oh, Deion Kane hasn't played with Ben hardly at all. Actually, he hasn't played with him at all because he was a midseason pickup. They picked him up off the Colts practice squad midway through the year. The wide receivers, I love this group. I really do. I think they have a lot of different combinations that they can run that can make they can see a lot of success. It's all going to be with how they respond and react with Ben, getting Roethlisberger under center, getting them physical repetitions. I'm sure right now they're doing some work. Um, I don't know if quarterbacks and receivers are throwing it. I know the rookies have already been working out and things like that. But my gosh, the wait's almost over. This offense cannot be as bad as it was last year. And so when you've hit rock bottom, there's only one way you can go. 
and that's up. Up? Well, that sounds like the defense, and we're going to talk about that that unit right after this break. All right, Steeler fans, we are back. The wait is almost over. That is the theme of this episode, and now we're going to talk about the defense. I just wax poetic, if you want to call it that, about the offense. The offense was disappointing last year. So disappointing. And no one had super high expectations, at least I hope you didn't, for the offense that was led by either Mason Rudolph or Devlin Hodges. Now, the defense, because no one knows about the offense. Is Ben's arm going to be all right? Is the offensive line going to be ready? The wide receiver's development. But in the defense, that's a different animal altogether. It is a different animal. And what I mean by that is that expectations for the offense are low. Expectations for the defense are sky high. I mean sky high. We're talking about a unit that is coming off of a season where they were top five in almost every single statistical category. The one category they weren't, I believe it was rushing defense, and they were still in the top 10. They are every bit as good as advertised. And Cam Hayward, who spoke to the media just a few weeks ago, I think it was last month, obviously it was last month, but early in July, he said that there's only one place that he feels that the defense really needs to improve, and that is rush defense. But there are still some things that we as fans have to look at this defense and say, what's this going to look like? What is this actually going to look like is it going to be better than last year is it gonna be different this team led the nfl in takeaways in 2019 i mean it was it was remarkable it was to the point that fans almost expected these takeaways to happen i mean just think about how ludicrous that statement is they expected these takeaways to happen yet they, they always found their way whether it was a tip ball whether it was an interception a forced fumble it didn't matter. They always found a way. Can that continue? I don't know. My The top of the list for me, when I look at the defense and what I can't wait to see, well, it starts, it's Fitzmagic. It's Fitzpatrick. Minka Fitzpatrick. That starts it for me. There's going to be other people. I'm sure you might be driving in your car. You might be walking on a treadmill. You might be sitting in your living room. I don't care where you are. You might be thinking about another player, and that's okay. But for me, it, it's Minka. I want to know. With Minka Fitzpatrick, what is year two in the Steelers system going to look like? Is it just going to be more of the same, him playing deep secondary and kind of roaming around the line of scrimmage, or are they going to put him, and this is, this is a, a term that Lance Williams used to always use, are they going to put him in that joker role? Think back to what Troy Polamalu used to do. I am not suggesting that Minka is going to do what Troy used to do, but is he going to be able to have the freedom to kind of move around and be even more of a dynamic playmaker? Because if you watch Minka and you listen to interviews, especially when he was on NFL Game Pass, the breakdown with uh, Brian Baldinger and Kurt Warner this past offseason, just a, a couple weeks ago, I watched it. It was tremendous. You see it on NFL Network, record it because it's awesome. And he talked about how he definitely felt by the end of the season, quarterbacks knew where he was and they never threw it his way. 
And he felt that that hindered his production. And I agree. You watch the film. They did not want to throw it anywhere near Minka Fitzpatrick. Why would you? He was he was as dynamic as a safety comes in 2019. He was all pro for a reason. He was a Pro Bowl player for a reason. But what's 2020 going to look like? It's going to be better. There's a part of me that just thinks, oh, my gosh, this guy's just he's just scratching the surface. And if that's the case, because he's still young, he's only entering year three of his career. If he's just scratching the surface, think about how dynamic that secondary is going to be. This is already the best secondary, in my opinion, in the Mike Tomlin era. Yeah, I said it. He, he, I said that this is the best secondary based on the fact that even though Mike Tomlin has won a Super Bowl, I like the cornerbacks with Steven Nelson and Joe Hayden. And I think that Terrell Edmonds is going to take a step forward this year as well. But Minka Fitzpatrick, man, that guy could be ridiculously good. But I want to see it. I want to see how it looks different here in year two with Pittsburgh, year three in the NFL. You know, another area of the field or area on the defense that a lot of people are going to be focusing on, and rightfully so, are the sacks. Will this team still be able to get the sack totals that they've had? They could break a team. They could be the first time in team history that they've had four seasons with 50 or more sacks. I remember going on shows just a couple months ago before I had departed behind the steel curtain, and I was talking with my buddies, Brian Anthony Davis and Dave Schofield, and we were laughing at each other about how just a few years ago we were like, ah, they can't get a, They can't get 60 sacks. They can't get 50 sacks again. That's just, it's just not going to happen. And here they go every single year. TJ Watt, Cam Hayward, Bud Dupree last year with 11 and a half. You name it. My goodness. Are the sacks going to continue? I think it can. I think because TJ Watt has shown that every single year he plays, he gets better. And you might think, oh my goodness, how could he get better? He had over 14 sacks last year. He could still get better. You ask him, I guarantee you could say he missed a lot of plays last year. Bud Dupree playing for a contract, playing for his financial livelihood, so to speak. And I know he's making $15 million this year, but still it could be 16, depending on, you know, if he gets labeled as a linebacker or a defensive end, but I digress. Um, Devin Bush is going to be better. People forget about him. He's going to be better. Vince Williams being a full-time starter, not having this question mark about whether he, you know, Mark Barron or him last year, it's Vince Williams job. And Vince Williams is good at pressuring the quarterback. He's a good blitzer. I think that this, this sack, the, the sack team, the sack masters, the Blitzburg, if you want to call them that they're just, they're going to be equally as good. And let me just say that everyone talks about Javon Hargrave. There's one player that can make Javon Hargrave's memory feel so distant and rather insignificant. And that's Stefan to If Stefan to can stay healthy. And that's a big if, if he can stay healthy, he is dominant. I want you to go and look up his stats. Stefan to last season. And you might think Jeff, he got hurt last year. He only played in six games. I know just do it. Do it to it. That's his little saying. Go and look up his stats and you will see the ridiculous numbers that he was putting up before he got hurt. I expect him to pick up where he left off. Speaking of defensive linemen, what about Cam Hayward? Your defensive captain, former former first-round pick. He's an all-pro. He's a pro bowler. The only thing this guy does not have on his resume is a Super Bowl ring. And we're not sure about his contract. He's not sure about his contract. He wants a new deal. He's entering the final year of his contract, which is a very inflated number. I believe it's over $14 million for 2020. 
Are the Steelers going to give him a deal? They're not sure because the NFL's not sure. They they could give Cam Hayward a big deal, give him a big signing bonus, but they have to be very wary of the 2021 salary cap. This is this is a minutia conversation for another time, but I think that the Steelers have to get a deal done with Cam Hayward. If if anything, to get your their salary cap number down this year, and then also to be able to prevent from 2021 a, a drop out of the you know it's going to be ugly if the 2021 salary cap does decrease. Although I'm pretty sure they're going to keep it at 198.2, which is what it is right now in terms of millions. Cam's got to get a new deal. He's got to get a new deal because he is that nucleus for this team. He's not super flashy. He's not the Aaron Donald type that everyone talks about how, oh my gosh, Aaron Donald's coming to town. No one says like, oh, Cam Hayward's coming to town. But that doesn't mean that Reckitt Hayward is not doing damage. He's worth every bit of that money. I think they're going to give him a new contract. It'll happen closer to the start of the season when they have a little bit of a better grasp as to what the salary cap looks like, uh, their financial situation. They might be moving some money around elsewhere. I think they get a deal done with Cam because it's really, really important. And that is a really big, important part of this defense. If you take that contract stuff off of Cam Hayward's mind entering the season, he has the security. He knows he's going to play probably his last contract in the NFL with the Pittsburgh Steelers, the team that drafted him in the city where his father played Ironhead Hayward, that would get him unbelievably motivated. Like I said, the only thing that this guy has left to fill out the last box to check on his actual to-do list or his resume is a Super Bowl win. That's it. In this defense, I used the E word earlier, elite. This defense can be elite. If 2019 didn't tell you anything, is that this defense can be elite. And I am very close to saying they will be elite, barring the injury bug taking them out. I like who they drafted. I think that they have good position players across the board. And they should. They're riddled with first and second round draft picks. But if this team wants to win a Super Bowl, if they want to bring number seven back to Pittsburgh, if they want to push themselves away from those that team up north, the New England Patriots, and say, we are the cream of the crop when it comes to to number seven and seven Super Bowl wins, it's going to be on the defense. It's going to be on the defense to continue to take the ball away. It's going to be on the defense to continue to sack the quarterback. It's going to be on the defense to set up this offense and put them in a position to succeed. They did it last year. They did it last year. They just didn't have the offense to do it, period. This year, with Ben back, if he is even 75% of what he used to be, they will be in the driver's seat ready to make some noise. But folks, the wait is almost over. It's almost over. I hope that you are looking at this and being optimistic. And when I say that, there's a lot of people that are skeptical about whether the season will even happen. Look, if it if the if the floor falls out or the rug gets pulled out from underneath our feet, then so be it. But every single one of you that's listening to this podcast should be excited about the potential of the 2020 Pittsburgh Steelers. And until something happens, prepare for a great season. There might not be fans in the seats. I don't care. Some football or football with no fans is better than no football at all. I think you all would agree with me. The wait is almost over, folks. 
The wait is almost over. My gosh, that felt good. Felt good to be back. It felt good to be back. I'm really, really, really happy to be back here behind the steel curtain. I'm really happy to be launching this new show, Let's Ride. I remind you, anywhere that you listen to your podcast, Anchor, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, you name it, follow us. That means if you're on Spotify, hit the follow button. That way you automatically get every single podcast. You're not going to want to miss it. The soft opening this week, next week, we're going to have five morning shows and then 5 p.m. shows. If you like the Steelers, if you like engaging talk, if you like engaging topics, you'll love our platform. BehindTheSteelCurtain.com should be your one-stop shop for all your Pittsburgh Steelers needs. That's a wrap, folks. Show one, Let's Ride, is done. I'm Jeff Hartman, your host, co-editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. I will see you on Wednesday for another episode. Topic to be determined. Be safe, be kind. We'll see you.